You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm back uh, after taking four days off from the podcast last week. Tommy and I came in here on Thursday with all the news of last week, the interim name and Terry Bateman and Julie Donaldson and all this stuff that was going on um, with our Washington football franchise uh, last week. Tommy and I came in and did a podcast on Thursday. J.P. Finley is with me today. Um, I'm going to still take some vacation the rest of the summer. I don't know when I'm taking it. It seems like, J.P., my vacations have been staycations. I've only had... I've had uh, I get a, I get a certain number of days. Um, I never take all of those days, but I've taken eight days, not on the podcast, but from radio over the last month, and I've got some days left. And usually, I wouldn't take them because we'd have normal training camp and a normal getting ready for the season. But I don't know what we're gonna have. Um, but I've been listen. The best vacation I've taken was with you. It was a one day or up to Wingfoot. That was as much fun as I've had over the last couple of weeks. How you doing? I, I'm doing well. I agree. I've gotten down to the beach a few times, but never never actually off. Uh, I mean, this, especially the way the, this, the Washington football team news has been breaking in what is, I mean, in the COVID world, there is no normal anymore. But normally, late June to late July is, is the time the NFL calendar completely stops and you can actually unplug a little. That hasn't happened, but you know, Wingfoot with you was awesome. I got to play with uh, with Sands and Preston and Monty last week at Rehoboth. That I heard awesome. I, they 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 sent me Joe P and Sands uh, texted me um, that they were playing with you that day, and they said uh, it was. I think it was before you got started. They said, "What kind of dude is JP?" And I said. He's a much better dude than his than his golf game would 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 indicate. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you played at a special place too, because I love Rehoboth. I think it's a great um, place and in such a nice day uh, to spend there. So probably and Monty was with you guys, so it must have been a good day. It was awesome, and uh, Coach Gary Williams came and met us for for a minute or two afterwards. It was it was very very cool, and I I mean. Um, it was a lot of fun. That place is just pristine. They really take great care of it. It's uh, it was a blast. I, I want to play it again. I couldn't get off the tee, dude. So, I as as you like to point, as you like to question my handicap, I played to every bit <laughs> of a of a eighteen point nine that day. Well, I know when we were up at Winged Foot and you were on the card as uh, Joe Montana, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, as a 19, <laughs> that I was questioning that after I think you started off par, bogey, par, something like that. Um, but um, I, I had a good front. Yeah, you had yeah, a very had a good, good front, front nine. Yeah, that, that, that nine caught up to me, though. You know, you just reminded me of something, and, you know, a lot of people listening don't care, but that's all right because you and I care about this stuff. I got a call from a friend of mine late last night. I was asleep. It woke me up. I answered the call. Kevin, if you're listening, you should know better than to call me at midnight, um, which is when he called me. And he's, and I hear that he is clearly at a place that's crowded, which I oh, probably boy. shouldn't be outing anybody. But he was calling from a certain establishment in Dewey Beach, um, sure. which, uh, which people like. And he's like, I'm just calling you. Gary's here. Everybody's here. We're... And I'm like... <laughs> I said, I, I'm, he's like, oh, wait a minute, it's late. You get up really early. I'm like, yeah. 
Um, hopefully they were with masks on. It certainly didn't sound like it. But, um, you know, uh, you know this. Maybe they were outside. I think they are outside. They were definitely outside. outside. Yeah, it's fine. You're fine. Yeah. I, I saw somebody tweet something about the president who was playing golf over the weekend. This is there, – there's, there's no political path here, so don't worry about it. But this person – um, tweeted out and it got huge uh, Twitter um, reaction yesterday. Great, our president's out golf golfing without a mask on. Well, n- no one wears a mask while golfing. Uh, have you worn a mask one time when you played golf this spring and summer? Definitely not. Um, I, I throw it on if I run into the clubhouse or something. Exactly. But no. You're yeah. outside. You're, you're, and you're I social distant. You're already socially distanced. Right. But uh, anyway, I, it, it looked like the responses from a lot of people who ha- have had played golf said golf is not a sport right now where you are uh, wearing a mask while playing. You're already socially distanced and you're outside. And right. um, but anyway, uh, so um, the, the podcast always starts uh, with you know, any sort of breaking news that that's happened since I um, went off radio, which is about an hour and 20 minutes ago. And there is a huge story, sports story, that is um, evolving as we speak. Uh, the Miami Marlins home opener against the Orioles today, um, it's actually this evening's been canceled because the Marlins are having a major coronavirus outbreak right now. Eight players, two coaches have tested positive. Um, that's an outbreak that has now spread through their clubhouse and brought the total cases in that organization to 14 um, over the last Yikes. couple of days. Um, the Marlins are still in Philadelphia undergoing testing after their weekend series against the Phillies. The Yankees are playing in Philadelphia tonight after being in Washington for the weekend. And now there's some question as to whether or not that game will be played. And three games into the Major League Baseball 60-game sprint, we're already now beginning to get a sense of why you know, there are a lot of people, including Tommy, who believes this will never happen in its entirety because the Marlins postponing games and the, you know, the, the, um, the domino yeah, it's effect. It's a giant jigsaw puzzle, right? Yeah. Exactly. And you get, you get the Yankees-Phillies could be canceled tonight. It's a 60-game sprint. Now you're going to end up with teams that potentially will play fewer games. And here I was having you on because the NFL and the NFL Players Association um, were, you know, came to a big agreement on Friday, which it was an incredible collaborative effort. But this news makes you wonder whether or not we're going to have sports, any of it, doesn't it? Big time. It really does. And it's it's a shame because I, I mean, I really enjoyed sitting down and watching baseball yesterday afternoon. And, you know, the, the big games, the Thursday night opening night was cool, but I didn't love the broadcast. And then the Fox broadcast was cool, but then I, you know, I was looking forward to seeing Strasburg. We didn't see Strasburg. Yeah. JP is at home playing, know, uh, playing sorry, Mr. Man. Playing Mr. Mom today. Um, which is totally fine, and I couldn't care less, nor could anybody that's listening. And if you have a problem with that, you can just you know hit the uh, fifteen second forward button. Go ahead. See, here's the other thing: how did the how many people on the Phillies have it? If they were playing tomorrow, <clears throat> like I don't know, I, I don't know. At some point, to play these games, and especially football, which I was very optimistic about at one point, and my optimism is just slowly waning. 
to play football, I, I don't know. I, I, more and more, I don't know how you're going to do it. But there just has to be like a level of acceptance that people are going to get this. You, you know, on some level, like Juan Soto test positive. Somebody's going to test positive. It's going to happen. But if you have an outbreak where half the team has it, I don't know what you do next. I really don't. Um, John Mara, uh, Friday, Friday after the league and the uh, after the owners and players association came to um, <laughs> came to. <laughs> you got some activity going on over there. I know, dude. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm no. It's it's fine. But what what are they, what are they? Do you got, do you have some Annie's products you can throw at them? <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. Uh, JP and I were talking before the podcast started about Annie's, the snack product line. And I was going to ask you, is that a product line that is designed for kids or not? Because I actually like a lot of their products. I think they're really good. I think it's definitely designed for kids, like the mac and cheese and everything. Um, but now that you say that, we eat the mac and cheese. I still prefer kind of the old-fashioned, the craft neon orange mac and cheese, but my girls only eat the Annie's. I think my wife definitely prefers it. It's it's organic and healthier and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think it's designed for kids, but plenty of parents eat it, and then it just kind of expands from there. I don't know. Because I, I think the um, the cookies are, are pretty good. I, I've purchased them. They've been in my house purchased before, and I've eaten them. They're good. And they also make Pop-Tarts. Or I guess they do. They? Yeah, I, I, I guess get, they do. Yeah. They kind of make everything. They make a, their own version of, of almost every kind of like household baked goods. Right. Maybe they don't do like potato chips. I don't think they do any of that stuff. But and, the bunnies, both the like sugary kind and the cheesy <laughs> kind, are, are, are quite good. So um, I was starting to say, uh, this is what we, JP and I, when we, when we talk, we, we get off track quite, uh, quite often, um, actually, <laughs> Quickly. into things that um, aren't necessarily that important. But I was starting to say that the NFL and the Players Association reached this agreement on Friday, you know, about a return. And there's, there was a lot of collaboration in that. It was much different than what baseball went through. And they held a call afterwards on Friday, and I was reading about it late last night, that Andy Reid was a big part of this overall call. You know, Andy Reid has become one of the trusted voices, if not the most trusted voice in the NFL. Players love him and trust him. Other coaches love him and trust him. Owners feel the same way. Agents feel the same way. The commissioner likes him. Um, And Andy Reid, in so many ways, is becoming like this incredible voice for the NFL. And he was asked to speak to everybody on this call on Friday. And he emphasized how different this was from 2011 when they had the lockout. And he said, this is about, you know, player, this isn't about players versus owners like it was in 2011. This is about all of us, players, coaches, owners, teams versus COVID. And they went on and various people spoke. And one of the, one of the big takeaways for, for me after reading about this call, and there were several quotes, including one from John Mara, who said, we've got to accept that this is not going to be a perfect season, close quote. 
this is going to be an imperfect season that's going to be competitively unfair if they ever get to playing it and finishing it. And what what we're seeing this morning with the Marlins is proof of that. You're going to have to deal as a fan with – Football being interrupted, teams perhaps forfeiting on occasion, teams playing less games than other teams, teams having schedules altered, teams maybe late in the season playing with 20,000 fans while other other teams aren't allowed to have any. You're just going to have to deal with the imperfection and the competitive unbalance and unfairness to the season and just strike it up, you know, just chalk it up to – hoping that you get a season in, no matter how competitively unfair. Totally agree. A couple thoughts. It's it's cool to see kind of this ascension of Andy Reid. Obviously, winning a Super Bowl changes sure. a lot of things for him. How perfectly silly is it that they ran him out of town because he couldn't win the big one? And now he's like, you know, because Belichick is so aversive to the media. Pete Carroll is kind of removed in Seattle. I mean, Andy Reid really has become maybe the, the 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 headliner of NFL coaches, and having Mahomes helps too. Um, but then I don't know what football is going to do. They're on top of me. If, if somebody gets it, I don't know how everybody doesn't get it. And considering the numbers, it's impossible to think somebody won't get it. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've felt for a while now is that for all of these sports, the event that they can't plan for but will likely be disruptive, if not, you know, the reason for canceling, is a young player, healthy, no underlying, you know, conditions um, or, you know, uh, medical conditions that would make them more vulnerable, gets sick, is in the hospital is on a ventilator, is seriously ill, and that would shut the league down. And I, th- you know, t- we've talked about this before, Tommy and I have that that would be the Rudy Gobert moment of you know sports returning. You know, not a positive test, but an actual sickness. But I think what we're seeing yeah, with this, I agree. But I think what we're seeing with this Marlins pretty unlikely, though, right? Uh, pretty unlikely. But what we're seeing with the Marlins situation adds another layer to this, which is. A major outbreak, outbreak. Yeah. you know, where maybe people aren't getting sick, but you can't play these players, and games have to be canceled, and the integrity of the games when they are played are co- are compromised. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, sure. uh, a large outbreak is is in football. Andy Reid pointed out in this speech that he gave the other night, in this talk that he gave, that football is unlike these other sports. There are eighty, you know, eighty players, eventually fifty-three, but a hundred necessary employees, which include coaches, trainers, you know, uh, employees that are a part of the daily operation. So he, you know, he, he did the math. He's like one hundred and eighty times thirty-two teams. That's five thousand seven hundred and sixty people that have to be tested on the regular. This isn't the NBA in a bubble. This isn't even baseball. Or, or hockey. It's it's we're gonna have a lot of people test positive. For sure. I mean, I'm I'm supposed to be out there next week or, or whenever the media gets allowed, and I'll be one of ten, probably thirty media members to try to get. I don't I don't know. I mean, there's gonna be. It, it's really hard. I, the NFL is a 
is a freight train, and they are going to continue to push the gas and try to figure this out. And credit to smart people that are trying to consider every angle and protect players' health and protect coaches' health and scouts and janitors and everybody else. But this thing, just I, I, you don't want to say something unbeatable, but it's hard to see a path where there wouldn't be I mean, this happened in baseball three days into the season. Yeah, exactly. The the, the task for football is exponentially harder. Right. Well, look, I called you to come on today because I I wanted to talk football. And, you know, right now we we roll with the assumption that the NFL players and the owners are, you know, they've they've come to this agreement and training camps for whatever you want to describe it. uh, It's an actual... Um, training camp designation, even though they won't be in pads for another 20 days against each other. Preseason's been officially completely canceled. It was on Friday. Um, But I really wanted to talk about this Alex Smith story with you. J.P. Finley obviously covers the team, uh, as all of you know, for NBC Sports Washington, and he's got the Redskins Talk podcast, um, which is done very well. we got to rename that, Kev. Oh, that's right. You do. What's it? Do you got a new name? Trying to figure that out right now. Um, I don't know, <laughs> frankly. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be an issue with all of us. I, I actually ha- I, I have some things that I want to say a little bit later on. It can be with you or without you. It doesn't matter. But just about some of the reaction to the interim name thing from the other day was just from Florio and Kellerman and these, you know, these it's, these old name police, you know. They're not going to let it go. Is- Kellerman is just a dog whistle at this point. He just loves blasting Snyder. Like that, that almost seems personal. It, it, I, I found turning the the interim name thing into another. Listen, you can blast the organization for a million things, most of them fairly, but they handled that as well as possible. I agree. I totally agree. I don't, and, and they don't do a lot of cool marketing PR rollouts, but they nailed it with each player putting <laughs> pictures of themselves in the new uniforms on Twitter and Instagram. It was cool. They did something cool. So, well, it, it, it just it, there's plenty to scream about. That's not one of them. No, I mean the the reaction was either just complete ignorance over what was going on here, or in the case I think of Kellerman and Florio and Peter King and others. They're not going to let this go. They're going to continue to remind people on on as much of a you know base uh, daily, weekly, whatever that they are the old name police, and the name being gone is not going to be enough for them. They're going to pile on, and piling on is going to become almost a new sport for them. I mean, you'll hear it from them. The old name, it'll be accidentally used on a broadcast or unintentionally with no ill intent used by somebody in the organization, and they're going to be all over them like white on rice. I mean, Florio's there with a ruler in his hand slapping down people. I mean, he was lecturing teams on their websites last week that hadn't gotten the Redskins name and logo off their website fast enough. Like, he's the name police commissioner. This guy's a hack. He's insufferable. Um, and he's going to continue with all of them to bring up just how racist the owner's been, just how racist this fan base has been. You know, as long as his like is around, it's not going to stop haunting us. You know, people are not going to, you know, these kinds of people are not going to forget 
uh, how good it makes them feel to let you know how shameful you were for 87 years or however long you've been rooting for this team. Like, I just, it's hard to take, man. It is hard to take because, I, I you know, JP, I, I said this with Tommy two weeks or whenever the name was lost, and I'm reading the columns, and still today the columns, the recording of this for historical purposes. When people look back to July 2020, when the Redskins lost their name, and they read the columns, and they watch the video of the Kellermans, and they watch this, I've mentioned this before, uh, but not to you, I'll have grandkids 20 years from now, 25 years from now, hopefully, and they're going to come to me and they're going to read about when the Redskins' name got, you know, was taken away, and they're going to read all these columns and they're going to watch all these videos and they're going to wonder how Grandpa was such a racist. Like, Grandpa, you seem like a pretty reasonable guy and pretty tolerant and open-minded. How did you ever root for a team with such a racist name? And that's the problem I have with this, JP, is it's being recorded for history by these guys that will not admit, even though I think it's incredibly disingenuous on their part, but they will not admit even though I believe they know this has been a very complex issue, one worthy of of thoughtful, open-minded discussion and debate. I mean, you... we. Max Kellerman knows the, what the Washington Post poll revealed in 2016, but you would think he'd never heard of it. Same thing with Florio. I mean, there's no data out there other than a dictionary definition that supports their view, but yet they're recording it here in the moment, and they're taking advantage of the moment so that 20 years from now, when people look back uh, on, on the Redskins' name that got taken away, they'll, they'll believe that it was the equivalent of the N-word and that anybody that rooted for this team before they changed their name was incredibly insensitive. It makes me angry because uh, I'm fine and I'm not nearly as passionate about the name sticking anymore. I, you know, it's part and parcel to how I feel about the team these days, which is a lot less passionate than I used to. But it makes me fired up and it makes me want Deron Payne and Chase Young and John Allen and Matt Ioannidis and Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan to go out and kick people's asses this year like I, with Washington on the front of their jersey. And by the way, JP, it would not surprise me given how much it costs to change the brand, that if they were to have a good season, let's say this year, just throw it out there and say, hypothetically, they had a good season. If they keep what they just created as the interim, wouldn't shock me at all. I, I, w- I wouldn't wager on it. I'll wait, I'd wager on a new nickname in 2021 before 2021. But uh, I think there are people in the organization that like it just as it is right now. That was uh, that was an all timer, Kev. Um, <laughs> I, as far as the, the nickname, I asked Bateman that directly. I had Bateman on my podcast last week, and he said he wouldn't rule it out. That there's it, 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 there's no there's no formal. We have to come up with a new nickname or any of that. I think they should just keep it. I, I think it'd be cooler if it was Washington Football Club instead of Football Team. Me too. But that's fine. Um, I, I think the only thing missing. And I, and I don't know how you come up with this, is you still need, like, everybody says the Nats and not the Nationals or the Caps and not the Capitals. You still need something quicker for vernacular. Just And, and honestly, as a writer for, like, headlines and and tweets, like, Washington football team is pretty long. That's, the, to me, the only thing missing is 
it's something like that. And maybe people can just still say skins. I highly doubt you can still say that, but well, have to think, that's the only trouble spot, I think. I like Washington Football Club, too. I would, I would have preferred FC Washington or Washington FC, and then continue to be able to, for most people, not the Kellermans and the Florios and the Peter Kings and the Mike Wises of the world, continue to use skins. Um, uh, and maybe that's the way it will ultimately play out. Um, but I kind of like, I do like the look, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think the uniforms are awesome. I like the helmets. I'm, they nailed it. They, and, it looks like university of Minnesota. Likely. Uh, okay. A little, like the color scheme. Yeah. And they, a little bit, but I, but I'm glad they kept the colors and I'm, I don't mind the numbers on the helmet. I love that Washington's across the front of the Jersey. Yeah. So do you know, I don't know this Tuesday morning, Ron Rivera has a presser, uh, a zoom press conference, but a, a press conference nonetheless. What is your first question for him? Mm. It's funny because I, I have to think about that because there's a chance I, I've been told that we're going to have him on radio this week. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, my first question for Ron Rivera. Well, I mean, part of it might be contingent on what happens today with the team physical with Alex Smith, but um, I don't know. I got to think about it. Like I had him on a month and a half ago or whatever for like 35 minutes, which he was so kind to do it for that long. But uh I don't know. I mean, like, part of me wants to just focus on the stuff that we've just gone through, you know, whether it's the name issue, whether it's the sexual harassment case, whether, you know, p- part of me would just ask him a personal question. Like, in all seriousness, if I injected you with truth serum, would you and your, your wife say you wish you had held out for the giant job? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I think you more from if you want the personal side of this. I just want to be like, how are you holding up with all this stuff? You I know. Signed up to be the coach because I I, th- I mean he's gonna say no that he's happy he has a job, but uh, I could I just do- I could just ask him for the play by play job. I could just do that. That could be <laughs> the yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize he did that would be awesome. (laughs) Hey Ron, there's a lot to get to. I mean, there's, there's this Washington post story that was really uh, damaging, although they don't think it's damaging. Um, the names change your training camp started. Hey, uh, can I get a quick address? Cause I want to FedEx you some of my work from calling Maryland games in recent years when Johnny (laughs) holiday was available to do the games. Um, all right, let's get to this Alex Smith stuff. Because this, uh, first of all, did this come out of the blue for you? The the report on Friday from Stefania Bell and others who, yeah, it, it, you it, know, the surgical team, for those that don't know, his medical team cleared him to return to full football activity. When you hear this podcast, it's very likely that the team has already given him his physical and weighed in on uh, on him from a team perspective. But did this catch you off guard? Yeah, and what's there's some it, some of this is just weird because his medical team cleared him for football. One of the people on his medical team is Dr. Robin West, who was the Washington football team doctor. Yeah. So, and the people I talked to, so this thing hit Friday night, and everybody was kind of going nuts. And then I talked to some people Friday night that don't expect him to pass the physical. So, what I mean. Who's the doctor? I, I, and because I don't think, I mean, 
Castellero's not the physical doctor, I don't think. This isn't about your blood pressure and stuff. It's about being able to, like, I think fans need to be aware that when pro athletes get a physical, it's not the same physical you and I get when we go in and <laughs> they draw blood and you pee in a cup or whatever. It's quite different. So it just seems odd. And I don't think this is a money play on either side. The money's guaranteed this season. I think it's an insurance thing. Yeah, maybe it's that. And maybe maybe there's some contractual stuff to it that I am not aware of yet. Um, but I, I wrote a column Saturday morning that I think, and I don't expect this to happen, but if Alex Smith can play and can actually get back on the field, I think that Washington owes it to him to trade him. Get him in a place that – Ron Rivera is very clearly – this is a tear-down, rebuild, youth movement. It doesn't make sense for them to play Alex or have him on the bench. And, and I know people will say that he could be a great coach and mentor in the meeting room. If that guy has worked this hard to come all the way back and he can actually play, send him to Tampa for a conditional fifth and let him back up Tom Brady or let him go back up Joe Burrow or Deshaun Watson. I mean, I don't know. This is not the right place for a 36-year-old quarterback coming back from a nearly – from a life-threatening injury, I don't think. You know, for a lot of reasons, JP, and it's funny, as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about, and I didn't come up with this on the radio show, but, you know, this organization more than any other, I mean, it it could certainly use an inspiring story, but at the same time, it cannot... It cannot, you know, uh, withstand some sort of uh, catastrophic injury that they approved with a with a physical that put him back on the field, and then they put him For back sure. on the field. I mean, it just it just can't. You know, I I read um, the Stefania Bell piece, and she said that the, he had received clearance from or the report from her that he had re- received clearance from his surgical team to return to full football activity. I, I don't know what that means if activity versus is, you know, padded practices contact. and games yeah. and contact. I think the team's going to fail him in his physical today um, because if he does fail that physical, um, he, the, his salary is fully guaranteed for injury. But the Redskins right. can recoup that. And I don't know what the number is. I've seen multiple numbers. I, I 10, to, 10 like to 12. Okay. I think it's, I've seen 10 to $12 million in the insurance policy that they took out on his contract if he had a catastrophic career-ending injury. Look, personally, I don't want to see him. After seeing that leg on that Project 11 documentary, there's yeah. no way I ever want to see him on a football field. Can you imagine the cringe-worthy watch that would be Alex right. Smith being pressured in the pocket? Are you kidding me? That can't well, happen. I agree. And reading the quotes, like the actual quotes from Alex in the story, made it seem like this is more of a life thing. Because he said, he's like, yeah, I can go skiing or snowboarding again. Like, his quotes versus the headline of Alex Smith cleared for football activity struck me differently. Um, but I, I, you know what I'm most curious about? Because I, I just I still don't think the Alex Smith thing is happening. Maybe, maybe I'll be proved wrong. I, I, from what the people I've talked to, I don't expect him to pass physical either. I want to know what's going on with Kyle Allen because I've been I circled back to some comments Ron made back way back in April. But about, hey, if we have a, a shortened training camp and no preseason, we'd be very comfortable going with Kyle because he already knows the system. And 
now here we are where training camp is not going to be normal. There's no preseason. That's, I'm trying, Kev, and maybe I'm dumb for trying, but I'm trying to get back into football mode, yeah. like what's actually going to happen on the field. And that, to me, is the biggest question in Washington. Well, and let me add to that, because I don't want this to come off as crass um, or heartless, but I'm any human being's totally inspired by Alex Smith being cleared for football activity, whatever that means, and everybody you know, is super happy for him. I thought the best part of that Project 11 was to see him at the end of that thing running around with his kids. Um, and sure. sort of juking a little bit, you know, on, on, on the leg. Um, I mean, he was near death and certainly was very near, you know, Robin West basically advocating, um, recommending that they, they amputate um, that leg. Um, but, you know, this franchise, uh, it's time, and look, it may not happen. Who knows if there's going to be a season. But let's just assume for the purposes of this conversation that there's going to be. I'm ready to talk some football. I'm ready to see how good this defense is. I'm ready to see Dwayne on the field. That's all I want to see. I don't want to see Kyle Allen out there. And, you know, I don't also want the Redskins organization, which they are prone to do to get wrapped up in things that really have nothing to do with the football operation, like a ceremonial snap or any of that. You know, to your point, if he really wants to play, then trade him. Um, I, I, I just, this is inspiring. At the same time, he's not going to be a significant play. He's never going to play again, in my view. And I certainly don't want him playing for this team. And I want the focus to be on whether or not they can become a professional football operation, which they haven't been for a long period of time. But I feel good that Ron Rivera can turn him into one. But I don't want all these. I don't want to. Again, don't. This is not an uncaring response. It's just practical. I'm happy for him on one hand, and I want just football on the other. I don't want an effort. I don't want an effort to to fit a square peg into a round hole. I'm with you. I'm with you. I tell you what. I'll come on again later in the week after we talk to Ron tomorrow and have a little more clarity, maybe on. What's going to happen? Yeah, let's do that. I know you got to run, and you've been uh, kind enough to give me uh, this time with with the girls and uh, all of your responsibilities at home. Um, I'll talk to you uh, soon. We'll get out and play golf in the next couple of weeks. Sounds like a plan, man. Always happy to come on, Kevin. All right. Thanks, JP. See you, buddy. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, the average is around 29 days, nearly a month, to see a doctor if you live in a major U.S. city. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that connects you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com. That's GetRoman.com and use my promo code which for this 
uh, promo is Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N. If you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com, use my promo code Sheehan for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com, promo code Sheehan for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, so the Alex Smith thing um, came out of the blue. Uh, and again, it's great. It's incredible that he's worked himself back into uh, the ability to potentially play pro football again. I would wager heavily against it. I would also wager that the Redskins fail him on his physical today. I don't know that for sure. Um, but, you know, there is this insurance policy. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I really would be surprised if if Alex really wants to get out onto an NFL field, given that he's got generational wealth, and take a snap and put himself at risk again after what he went through. I mean, you can't put yourself in anybody else's position, but I think all of us, had we survived what he survived, and never forget the images of that leg, of that flesh-eating sepsis, you know, t- taking away his leg bit by bit as he was in that hospital nearly dying, and then certainly in danger of losing the leg to save his life, I just can't imagine. Can you? that he's going to go out and play professional football. Can you imagine the first time he's under center and he, he drops back on third and seven and here comes the pressure? How about if your other players, just the thought of tackling him or hitting him, it would be a bit much. I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, it's incredible that he's gotten himself close to it happening again, uh, but I just don't see it happening. And again, I want this team now to focus on becoming an NFL franchise again. They have a coach that is totally capable of, at least for a while, if he's given the ability by the owner to, you know, implement winning philosophies, winning. Uh, a winning structure, at least into the football operation. It's time for them to start being competitive again. Start looking like a professional outfit. Uh, and if they do that, um, they're going to have a chance to take uh, all, you know, to, to at least get the people that have looked away in recent years to give it another look. That's what I'm hoping for. And more so because of what I was talking about with JP earlier. God has the last two, three weeks been just difficult to deal with. I am not, you know, I'm not happy about the name of the team that plays in the city that I was born and raised in being taken away in this fashion. It's not that the financial, economic, you know, lost revenue potential without the name change because big companies like FedEx and Bank of America and others really decided once and for all to put a foot down. I'm not, I'm not upset with that. I'm upset with the way it's being described because it lumps all of us that are lifelong Redskin fans into, um, a recorded, um, a recorded history of, this group of people in Washington, D.C. with this terribly racist owner that allowed this to go on uh, and just how um, how unconscionable it was for that to happen. And we just know that that is, in, it, it, that is not illustrative 
of the facts of this discussion over the years. It just isn't. Um, but uh, it's going to be hard to get people to understand that uh, 25, uh, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, because the Kellermans and the Florios and the Peter Kings don't want you to think that this was ever a um, an issue that was debatable, um, that it was an issue that was clear-cut, uh, and those that uh, were against the name change really were insensitive, if not racist, people. Uh, and that's the way they want you to feel. That's the way they want people who view this down the road to think of us as a fan base. Uh, and I'm not down with that at all. I know what the facts are. I know what the facts have been. I know what the available information has been. I've always been open-minded to uh, the information conflicting with or completely um, overwhelming the information that we had uh, from the other side, that Native Americans were overwhelmingly um, offended by this name. But that information just has never been there. Never not once, not one survey, not one poll, not, uh, you know, over a hundred visits that the team and people associated with the team and people who I trust were on. It just never was, uh, this terrible injustice, uh, that they're making it out to be. It just wasn't, you know, um, we weren't enablers as fans. We should not be ashamed there is too much information, too much factual information that's in conflict with the narrative that they've been making for several years, but now are really making it now that the name has been changed. Like, why did it take you so long? Well, the reason is you people were terribly insensitive people. You really were shameful, awful people. Uh, I, I'm just, I can't, I can't do that. Um, I can't be down with that there. And I think there's a lot of disingenuous, uh, you know, discussion there. I think they know that, you know, Max, Max Kellerman's not an idiot, you know, Florio borderline, um, but still smart enough, uh, still intelligent enough to know what the information's been. You know, I know Mike Wise and I've known him for a long time. He is intelligent. He knows the other information that's been out there. He is, uh, he's been very adamant that one person or 5% or 10% is enough. And to me, that's a better position. That's a more honest position. The position of, look, I understand there's a lot of conflicting data out there. I understand that it's not the easiest thing to move on from based on the data that, that is out there. However, for me... I think it's a no-brainer because, to me, one person offended is enough. And if that's someone's position and they've been adamant about that position and they've done a lot of their own research and been passionate about the issue, I am much, much better with that than the person that claims that this is the N-word. It was always the N-word. And the people had absolutely no basis for continuing to use the word. And they were being insensitive and they were being racist by using it. I, I just, I can't do that. Um, and I'm not going to let them convince me that somehow I was a hateful human being for rooting for this football team with this name. And I'm also not going to put up with being lectured for the next few years as we deal with this change and we make mistakes, you know, in referring to the Redskins. Um, and by the way, some of them won't be mistakes. Some of them are just, they're not mistakes. It's habit. 
You know, it's going to be no ill intent. There's not going to be an intentional, um, you know, effort to be insensitive because there wasn't before. Um, but I'm not going to be lectured by Mike Florio, the name police commissioner, about using skins or rooting for a team that's still, uh, or rooting for a league that still has a few teams with the logo on their site. You know, this is not gonna, this is not gonna haunt me ever. It just won't. Um, I would have loved to have seen updated information that was never provided. Um, 2016, remember, before that poll, it was the poll you're using from 2004 is outdated. Then the 2016 poll was flawed methodology. Um, but they never answered with a poll of their own showing a huge number of Native Americans, a, a majority of Native Americans saying that they felt uh, that uh, it was insensitive. But they didn't want to refer to polls. Um they referred to their own thoughts. And again, I don't have a problem with those that stuck with, look, and look, look, one person offended is enough for me. If that's the way you feel, I don't agree with that position, but that is better than this is not a legitimate issue for debate. It needs to be dropped, period. There's no complexity to this issue. There's no single reason or you know uh, iota of data that would make... Uh, Mike Florio uh, or Max Kellerman believe that it's worthy of a discussion. Um, anyway, enough of that. Uh, I am ready for a football season. And I do think a lot of what's happened here, not the post story, not the post story at all, um, but with the name issue, makes me really want to see this team go out and smash some people, you know, with Washington across the front of their jersey. That's my city. That's my hometown. You know, I'm going to still hope for the best. I'm going to expect the worst as long as Dan Snyder's the owner of this team. I mean, you can't convince me otherwise. I've got 21 years of information that would back me in a very, you know, uh, easy wager that this will not work out because it's never worked out. But I am hopeful. I like Ron Rivera. Um, I don't like what the organization's been about, the arrogance, etc., um, and I think that Dan Snyder's antagonistic uh, approach to all things, especially the name thing, has really backfired over the years. It was predictable that it would backfire as well. Um, but I hope that, you know, Terry Bateman's the right guy, and I hope that Ron Rivera's the right guy, and I hope Dan stays the hell out of this, um, and they make some progress here. And I'm a little bit more enthused, and I got I have a little bit more juice off of the Florios and the Kellermans of the world um, about getting uh, a, a football team to kick some ass this year or next year if there's no season this year. Um, I, I would love to see that. A real quick word about mybookie.ag because you can gamble now, people. Uh, it is now available for you to be out there wagering uh, on sports. It's amazing uh, that we have finally gotten uh, to this spot. But mybookie.ag uh, is a place where right now you can bet on baseball every night. They've got futures uh, on the NFL um, they've got futures on college football as well, but go to mybookie.ag. What you want when you are looking for an actual book is you want 
a place where you can bet and you're going to get fair point spreads, you're going to get fair money lines, you're going to get fair pricing, and you know if you win, you'll get paid. And that is mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid with mybookie.ag. This is a place where you can rely on that ability. Um, A lot of you have been waiting since March to, to be able to wager. I saw that baseball in the opening weekend had three times the normal betting for a weekend uh, for baseball. So people are hungry for it. Join today. My bookie will double your deposit. That's a dollar for dollar match. Plus, if you sign up now, they'll toss in a free $10 MLB future wager. So all you got to do is enter my promo code for my bookie. It's Kevin DC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C. When you sign up, use my promo code. You'll get a free $10 MLB future wager. So you can put it on anything. You can put it on the Nats winning the division, any future, the Nats over under number, anything that's not an actual, you know, current line for a game. It's a it's a future bet. You know, it's gonna come, it's gonna be determined in the future. You'll get a free ten dollar MLB wager if you use my promo code Kevin DC at mybookie.ag. Two things to end the show with today. First of all, I did want to mention the NFL trade from over the weekend, a blockbuster uh, trade that saw Jamal Adams go from New York, the Jets, to the Seahawks for two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and a starting safety in Bradley McDougald. Um, It's an incredible trade uh, when you think about it um, from the Jets' perspective. First of all, they had a disgruntled player. Part of me really hates when the disgruntled player begs for a trade um, and gets his way. Now, he didn't get traded to the Cowboys, but he got traded to the Seahawks. And, man, the Seahawks gave up a lot for a safety. That's the first thing you think about. Like, really, two firsts and a third and a starter at safety for another safety? Jamal Adams is really good. I mean, we talked about him last year when the Redskins played the Jets, and and it was quite a performance by Adams in that game. If you recall, that was really the one start more than any other that Dwayne Haskins really was out of sync and did not look very good at all. That was um, last year uh, the second start for him. He started the Buffalo game, then they had the bye week, uh, and then they came back and they faced the Jets, um, and it was a beatdown. They were down thirty-four to nothing or thirty-four-three at one point, and then you know Dwayne put up some numbers late. But Jamal Adams in the box as a blitzing safety in that game was all over the field in that game. Three sacks, four quarterback hits. He was all over the place. There are some really good young safeties in the NFL right now. And Jamal Adams is clearly one of the two or three young safeties in the game right now that uh, have a chance to be all-time great. I think Derwin James has the same opportunity in Los Angeles playing for the Chargers. Um, I I think it's too much to give up for a safety, especially one that's proven to be a bit of a – uh, of a head case, a bit of a diva, maybe not head case, a bit of a diva. They're also going to have to tear up his deal and pay him. Um, that's going to be a part of this as well. I think the Jets and Joe Douglas couldn't have done any better. It's really interesting about the Jets because I think I mentioned them a few weeks back. I actually like their roster. And I love Greg Williams as, as a defensive coordinator. I don't know if I'm sold on, on Adam Gase, but I like their roster. And primarily, 
I would uh, the the primary reason for me being optimistic about the Jets' future is Sam Darnold. Like he can play, uh, and Le'Veon Bell they still have they. They, they drafted Denzel Mims, the receiver from Baylor, to go with Jamison Crowder and whomever else they have. I think, you know, believe it or not, I think they were the team that signed Josh Doxson. They've got Quinn and Williams defensively. He looks like a star potentially. They've got C.J. Mosley back. Uh, now you add a starting safety in McDougald. And you added, you know, these first-round picks. I don't know where they're going to be. Seattle's got a good team. Seattle, you know, these could be late first-round picks in 2021 and 2022. Um, but still, I mean, very few teams with a player that wants out that you don't want to pay, and even if you do want to pay him, he still wants out. Very few teams are going to extract two firsts, a third, and a starting safety to replace that star starting safety. Now, Seattle, obviously, is an interesting uh, group. I mean, uh, offensively, DK Metcalf's emergence last year to go with Tyler Lockett. Um, and then you've got uh, Chris Carson, who, by the way, is in that top 100 uh, NFL Network um, players of 2020 list. I was surprised to see Chris Carson on that list. He's a hard runner, don't get me wrong, but um, I, I didn't expect to see him as a top 100 player. Uh, but uh, obviously, you've got Russell Wilson as a star defensively. You know, Irvin and KJ Wright is still there, and Bobby Wagner is still there, and Shaq Griffin. And now you've got Jamal Adams to go with. Um, I think they've got Trey Diggs uh, as one of the corners, and I forget who the other corners are. I, I think one of them was going to be Quentin Dunbar. We'll see how, how that uh, plays out. Um, but that division, man, uh, with San Francisco and Seattle and Arizona and the Rams, I mean, who would have thunk just you know two years after appearing in the Super Bowl that you could legitimately, in evaluating the NFC West for the 2020 season, pick the Rams to come in fourth? I mean, that, that is a legitimate uh, conversation with the 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals, and Rams all in one division. It's not going to be nuts for somebody to say, you know what, I think the Rams are the worst team in that division. Uh, the Rams, remember, traded two first-rounders for Jalen Ramsey. That, to me, for a corner like Ramsey with his talent, I think it's still a steep price. I think it's too much for safety. Um, the Jets did pretty well there. Uh, they are going to miss a player that is a massive impact player defensively. There's no doubt about it. Adams is that good. He really is. The last thing that I wanted to talk about was the Nats game yesterday. I had Mark Zuckerman on the show this morning. There's a lot to that Nats game yesterday that was very um, strategically interesting. First of all, Patrick Corbin starts the game. And let's not forget the last time Patrick Corbin pitched was in Game 7 of the World Series, which which turned out pretty damn well for him and the team. Corbin went six and a third. He went, he took it into the seventh with a one-hit shutout and then surrendered a, uh, a, a solo home run from Gliber Torres. And it's two to one, and Davey pulls him. He's got a, a two-hit, one-run game where he's only pitched 75 balls at that point, and he gets yanked for Will Harris. Harris comes in, Doolittle comes in. They end up giving up the 2-1 uh, lead and they they lose the game three to two. The Nats did yesterday. Mark really explained it that Corbin was just not ready to pitch much further further than then. They had a healthy, obviously um, rested bullpen, and Davey was looking at seven, eight, nine with you know Harris, Doolittle, Hudson. You know, in some uh, you know that that was going to be the combination there. 
Um, still, Corbin pitched great yesterday. And then we get to the bottom of the ninth. The Nats have a chance, uh, and they just they screwed it up uh, royally uh, with a terrible base running error by Emilio Bonifacio, which I'll get to in a moment because I did want to mention that as Drubal Cabrera leads off the ninth with an infield single, um, beats out the throw, it was reviewed, it was the right call to, for the call in the field to be upheld. Um, he was safe there, and then Bonifacio came in to pinch run for Cabrera. Cabrera is obviously not Anthony Rendon, but a really good start to the season playing third base. He's a professional hitter. Um, love watching him hit. And he gets on. Bonifacio comes in to run for him. Now, Bonifacio... Uh, on a passed ball, goes to second with Robles up. And Robles eventually walks. But when he walks, Bonifacio tries to steal third on the pitch that walked Victor Robles. And he gets caught stealing third. Now, the truth is, it was so surprising that he actually beat the throw, but his leg came off the bag, he got tagged out. But what the hell is he doing running in that spot? You got runners on first and second with nobody out in a game in which you're trailing by a run. You have started off the inning beautifully. You've got Gomes and Taylor and then the top of the order coming up. You've got a legitimate opportunity. I mean, you could do anything in the next in that next spot. You could pinch hit with uh, for Gomes with Suzuki. You could pinch hit with somebody who you're going to bunt uh, Robles and, and Bonifacio over with. Uh, and then they're going to have to face Taylor with with first base open. Maybe they got to walk him. Then you're at the top of the order with Trey Turner with one out. Um, there, there are a lot of possibilities there, but Bonifacio stealing third was so stupid. It really crushed their comeback opportunity in that particular moment. And uh, it was a shame because they they had the inning started off exactly the way they needed to. They had a runner on second with nobody out. They had a runner on first and second if Bonifacio stays with nobody out, down a run in the bottom of the ninth. Real bad uh, error there. By the way, one last thought about the Nationals. So Annabelle Sanchez makes his, um, makes his uh, debut this year uh, pitching. And I was talking to Mark about this. I brought it up with him, and he said that he had written something about it recently. Um, all of the incredible memories of October of 2019, which seems like, you know, five years ago now. You know, the Howie Kendrick walk-off Grand Slam, not walk-off Grand Slam, uh, top of the 10th Grand Slam at Dodger Stadium to win Game 5, Strasburg in Game 6 of the World Series, uh, you know, the back-to-back home runs in that Dodger game with Rendon and Soto off Clayton Kershaw. That was a shocking moment. There were so many incredible moments. Obviously, Soto's two-run, uh, you know, RBI single off of Josh Hader in the wild card game. Uh, Kendrick's home run in game seven off of Will Harris, uh, by the way. Um, Rendon's home run in game seven off Granke. I mean, there were just so many moments. I think one of the moments that doesn't get its just due was Annabelle Sanchez's performance in game one of the NLCS. And Mark said this when uh, we were talking, Mark Zuckerman did uh, this morning on the radio show. He said, you know, that National League Championship Series was really an afterthought when you consider all the drama of the wild card game, of the Dodgers series, of the seven game World Series. I mean, they swept the Cardinals in four, but they went into that series, if you recall, after using all their best pitchers thinking, oh my God, we're going to be in the National League Championship Series. And in game one, we got to start Annabelle Sanchez. And he pitched a brilliant game. It was such 
artistry by a pitcher. You know, nothing overpowering. It was a it was a mind over physical thing. And to watch him, you know, full big league hitters on 60 mile an hour changeups and to watch him take a no-hitter in the National League Championship Series game 1 on the road at Card- you know, in in St. Louis against the St. Louis Cardinals. And to see him have a no-hitter going into the eighth inning was just incredible. And then I think it was Martinez who broke it up in the eighth in what was still a very tight game, 2-0 in the eighth. But he was so great in that in that uh, in that first game of the National League Championship Series. He didn't pitch as well in the World Series, but what a memorable, sometimes I think overlooked, underrated uh, performance uh, and moment in in the Nats postseason run. It was so spectacular. He pitches tonight um, against Toronto in the first of four against the Blue Jays, all here in D.C. The first two will be Nats home games, and then the second two will be treated, even though they'll be played here, as Toronto home games. All right, uh, that's it for the day. Have a good rest of the day. It's going to be a hot one here in D.C. Stay cool if you're here.